0: Welcome to the Epic Angels podcast. Every episode, we put the spotlight on one of our portfolio startups. My name is Mikey, And my name is Hester. After the conversation with the founder, Mikey and I will have a conversation together with one of our Epic Angels to reflect on this investment. Welcome to today's episode, where we will be speaking with the founders of kind Cones, Southeast Asia's leading plant-based ice cream company guided by the philosophy of being kind, their message is clear: be kind to your body, the environment, and to others. Isabel and Serena, welcome to the show. I'd love for our listeners to get to know you better. So can you please tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to start Kind Counts?
1: Yeah, sure. I'm Serena. I come from a family business background in fashion retail, so F&B. I kind of dabbled into the world of healthy cooking and vegetarian cooking when I moved to Dubai, when I started a blog. And then I realized that I do have some passion and a flair for baking and cooking. And then when we moved back to Malaysia and I was pregnant and I I gave birth, I developed a mild case of IBS where I couldn't really tolerate dairy. So I, I started making ice cream at home in a little ice cream machine and realized that it actually didn't taste so bad. And at the time, 2015, 2016, and would go to the supermarket and and look for dairy-free alternatives to ice cream and never really found anything I liked. And that was why I really started making myself. And then when I made it home, I realized that it really, it, it tasted pretty nice. So together with Ishbal, we had this idea of making it a business. And that was really how, Kind Cones was born in my kitchen at home in Malaysia. Yeah.
2: I'm Ishpal and co founder of Kind Cones, as well as Serena's husband. A bit about myself came from a business background, very much focused on operations and execution, worked in textiles. I took inspiration from Serena in terms of Kind Cones and the brand and the belief behind it. And We saw this as a viable business. And I think there's a huge gap in the market for delicious plant-based options. And I think that's kind of where we started with kind cones and we were like, how do we get this out and how do we make it commercially viable? It tastes great in the kitchen at home. And how do we take this and actually make it a business? So I think between us, we were like, let's start with a small outlet, went to a few of the malls, got knocked down because, you know, people were like, what is plant-based ice cream and why would I want to be eating this over dairy ice cream? Well, eventually we found a mall that was willing to take us on. They gave us a small space to start with and it was a very community-focused mall and after which we were surprised, we opened the doors and there were queues out there. There were people who been wanting to eat ice cream, never had a chance to because they were dairy intolerant or just generally looking for healthier options.
1: We found a mall that believed in us and that we, to be honest, also didn't expect the kind of response that we received. And I think when we did, we realized that we've got something here. And before we knew it, of course, we were in Malaysia at the time, where before we had to go out running and chasing after the malls, we had the malls kind of coming to us and offering us spaces. So that was when we knew that we've we've got something good going here. That was super cool. And I think it's it's sort of the name, Kind Cones. I, I really like that
0: name. Yeah. And it's all about being kind with kind ingredients that are good for the body and for the environment. How do you get to this name? And can you explain that in a little bit more detail? Why is this so important to you?
1: Well, actually, I remember this pretty clearly. Ishbal and I went, well, you know, we were doing an evening walk one day and then I'd already started making this ice cream in the kitchen by then. Of course, cones, it is a direct link to ice cream, right? And I think the word kind, like you mentioned in our introduction as well. I mean, the brand is really about just kindness 360, really. And not just to to the planet, but also to our health in, in terms of not using anything artificial and to the community, because the idea behind the brand was that we want to create a community right so yeah the word kind just kind of popped up to my head and then it just went really well with cones and we made a double k out of it I think we nailed it with the word kind because especially in today's age it really goes a long way but yeah it was just an in the moment thing and and I think it's we really came up with a very catchy name Yeah. And I think then the other part as well, plant-based. Yeah.
0: Plant-based is no longer just a hype. It's really here to stay. And what I've been reading up is that the total plant-based food market is expected to multiply five times in the next six years. But at the same time, plant-based ice cream is also pretty new for some people. But you've proven that it doesn't mean compromising on taste. How do you actually ensure that this vegan, gluten-free and guilt-free desserts remain delicious while also being free of refined sugar and artificial additives. Can you share a bit more about this and maybe about your orange process?
1: Yeah, I, I think from when we first started up, you know, till date, there's the, the products have really evolved pretty significantly. Of course, the idea in the beginning was, okay, let's try to make it as close to regular Ice cream as possible. So that you know it goes well with. I mean, we wanted to make it more mass, right? More commercial as well. But yes, it was definitely tough to kind of mask ingredients like coconut because they have very distinct tastes. And then in plant-based ice creams, especially with us, because we don't use artificial ingredients, we needed the fat from coconut, right? So we couldn't avoid it. So I guess how we tried to mask the taste of coconut would be with using things like cacao, chocolate, because those are great ingredients to mask the cocoa taste. Or we would make sure our ice creams would have components, like mix-ins, we call them at kind codes, Like, like whether it's brownies or whether it's like brittles and nuts, just to kind of distract you a little bit from the coconut taste. But I think What we also learned was that why not embrace it instead rather than trying to mask it? So I think with that in mind, together with time over the last few years, there's been a lot of substitutes that have come out in the market as well that we didn't have before. So I think with the new ingredient substitutes that we have together with kind of embracing the whole ingredients that we use, like nut milks and oats and and coconut, I think that we were able to come up with our flavors. That's what you see. If you look at the trends in the ice cream industry is there's this constant demand for new
0: and innovative flavors. I even read somewhere millennials, I think 45% of millennials want a new flavor every time they go for an ice cream. Um, I mean, how do you keep up with this demand? And and specifically because it is plant-based, your process is not easy. And I mean, you're no longer in your kitchen anymore. You have a professional kitchen with employees, of course, that do this. Can you share a bit more about that?
1: Yeah, so like what you said, I think people do come in and then they are always looking for new flavors, you know. So we have a rule book at Cayenne Cones that we try to launch something new every month while we will have one new flavor every month and then we maintain all the classics or the sellers, basically. But yeah, there will be a new variant in the display every month. Now, our kitchen, we and the R&D chefs together with myself, we kind of already understand the base of the ice cream. And it's just basically finding inspiration to make new things, whether we're kind of trying to mimic some old classics, but a plant-based version, giving it a plant-based twist, or basically we do a lot of, we find a lot of inspiration online actually through social media. So we'll run contests and then ask our followers to give us the most creative flavor and whoever gives us something that's the most unique, we'll, we'll obviously reward them. So we do this pretty consistently and we get a lot of responses. So we put all those ideas down like in a file so we can always go back to that to, to be okay let's do that flavor today or or, or let's do this today and also for, of course from all our travels as well like you know we always look around at new flavors of ice cream and to give it a plan-based twist to us is not no longer such a challenge because I think we do have the base of ice cream nailed so then yeah it's just about finding creative ideas and inspiration how many flavors do you have right now over like hundreds, actually, like a lot. We can only display 18 at a time, but we've done like over, I think, 100 flavors of ice cream by now for sure. Wow. And what's your personal favorite? Um, probably from, because I don't love very, very sweet ice cream. So I'm a chocolate sorbet fan. Uh, yes. And I also love our passion fruit. It's really fresh, sour. Actually, the combination of that is great. Um, so I always take a double scoop of uh, chocolate sorbet and passion fruit. Yeah. Oh, that's good. What's it
0: for you, Ishbal? What's your favorite flavor of the moment?
2: Oh, definitely salted chocolate. It was a mistake that ended up being a our bestseller. <laughs>
1: <laughs> our, 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 our pastry chef, by mistake, added too much salt. It, it was just like I think he thought it was sugar, so he added like you know a bit too much salt to the ice cream. And then when we tasted it, we were like, you know what? Actually, this is incredible. And then we kept that and it really grew to become our like second best selling flavor of all time. <laughs>
0: that is really super funny.
1: And if we
0: look at how you're doing, because you've really been going well, you have six outlets now, two in Malaysia, four in Singapore, currently launching into the supermarkets, including the largest supermarket chain in Singapore, the NTUC. Um, and also, your revenue looks really good. I mean, this is a public podcast, so we're not disclosing any actuals, but it's 30% more than it was the year before. And you're definitely in the seven figures range, and you have a good gross margin with that. So, but with such a unique and large product offering, as we just discussed, How have you managed to achieve this strong
2: gross margin of upwards of 75%? So a lot of it, it comes down to the type of ingredients we use. And then again, we are priced at a premium price. So with that, I think we are able to maintain those margins. We also run a very lean team and are trying to automate where and when possible within our facility. So, I think, with those in mind, and I think also the backgrounds that we come from, it is very focused on maintaining decent margins and making sure that the business does reach profitability sooner rather than later. I think that's one of the key driving factors that we are pushing towards this year, in fact,
0: and it's also I think what i what I realize I see many ice cream shops, and they all So to show, look, we're making our ice cream on the spot. But I think from a scaling perspective, that's not so effective. So how have you dealt with this, the production part of the process?
2: So yeah, a couple of things. I think our biggest concern has always been quality assurance. And I think by, say, doing it at each individual outlet, there are definitely going to be discrepancies in taste and texture and quality of the product. So from the very get-go, we decided that we're going to produce our ice cream in one central facility where then we are able to hopefully meet all the standards that we require in terms of having the best product out there for our customer base. So, you mm-hmm. know, we we have quality checks, we, we do our R&D processes, we're able to manage all the possible verticals that would go wrong in one place rather than having to manage it in multiple areas. So even for Malaysia, for example, all our ice cream goes from Singapore. Is produced in Singapore and we send it in a freezer truck across the border to Malaysia.
0: Yeah, so really making sure that's all centralized, which is cost efficient, but most importantly, also the quality assurance they can guarantee. Now, also we we just already mentioned your market presence, how you're everywhere in the outlets, little farm supermarket was was your first in into the supermarket. Now the uh, the NTUC that you just launched last week, so that's very excited. I've also read a very interesting stat. I learned that 90% of Asians are actually lactose intolerant. I was really shocked when I read those statistics. I'm originally from Europe and specifically Northern Europe. I mean, barely anyone is lactose intolerant. I learned that it's the Europeans that are weird because we developed a kind of genetic mutation that allows us to properly digest the milk, but that's not the case in Asia. So that means it's a massive market, right? Specifically yeah. for plant-based as you are. How do you plan to
1: capture this market and what are your expansion plans? Well, you know, I'll just um, kind of, go back to the whole allergen thing that when we decided to launch kind cones at the time, that was what we discovered as well. So we were quite shocked by the statistics, you know, and we're like, okay, so in fact, as Asians, by default, we really cannot be, um, we, our bodies cannot process dairy because, you know, I guess what we were Finding like one of the obstacles for us is that, of course, there's a whole nut allergy factor, right? So we were like, oh my God, are we going to be losing this whole market to the people who are allergic to nuts? But then we discovered that dairy intolerance is so much more prevalent in this side of the world. So we're like, okay, you know what? Then maybe we don't have anything to worry about. And that's really proven to be the case. You know, we have so many kids coming in. Parents bring their kids in with skin condition, eczema, and, and, and this is actually really true. So the dairy intolerance in, in Asia is significantly larger than, than nut allergies. So that was not an obstacle for us.
2: The idea has always been that we ice cream for everybody. So we don't want to be compared to other plant based ice creams. I think our biggest competitors are the big box brands that do premium dairy ice cream. I think if our target market was people who just ate plant-based ice cream, we wouldn't survive as a company. So I think our biggest challenge and going forward is how do we convert people who eat regular ice cream, regular ice cream to eating kind cones. Um, and that's something we've been working on extensively. I think a lot of our community building goes around that. Our marketing goes towards that. Creating that awareness that what you're eating and what you're putting in your body is better for you. In the near term, we are in Singapore and in Malaysia at the moment. We've literally just entered supermarket, which is huge for us from being a very outlet driven business to now being a CPG focused business. So I think the focus for the near term is growing into supermarkets and gaining a significant share in the ice cream market, at the same time, being a leader in the plant-based segment within Singapore and Malaysia. And then after that, hopefully in the next 15 to 18 months, opening up a third market, which would most likely be Thailand. One of the reasons being Serena is from there as well. And she has a pulse of the market and it's the population is 60 million people, which is a bigger market than we are at in currently. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Definitely. And also, I think um, if I'm not mistaken, um, there was also a conversation with SCOop and Singapore Airlines.
2: Yep, that's right. So we are talking to the airline. We are also in conversations with a few of the big hotel chains that we're looking at launching with them. So basically a lot of 23 is going to be about building the B2B side of the business as well. In terms of when these launches are going to happen, hopefully sooner rather than later, you just
0: launched the supermarket, so get yeah. that, well, nail that yeah. first. <laughs> Can't do everything at the same time. I mean, I also think, Serena, what you just said about people are really coming and being so happy that they can have this ice cream and not just plain vanilla, but these real, really good, delicious ice creams that you guys are making. And what I noticed as well here in Singapore is that Kitekons really became almost like a love brand. Because it is not just delicious, but also inclusive and fun yes. when you go the Kind Cones. And specifically that inclusiveness, it is for everyone, not just for vegan or anything. Yes. No, it's really for everyone. How have you managed to create such a strong connection with your customers?
1: I think from the get-go, looking back, going back to 2017, at that time, veganism was very exclusive right like you know you're either vegan or not it wasn't like a lifestyle so i think a lot of the the vegan brands back then weren't able to penetrate and create disruption in the market But I think when we came in, we were like, hey, you know what? This is you you don't have to be vegan. We want to make it fun. We want to make it accessible. We don't want to take it so seriously. At the end of the day, you're coming to have ice cream and it's supposed to be a better for you indulgent. You're supposed to have fun with it. We're not here to preach that, hey, you know what? Like you can only eat this if you're a vegan or that you should be vegan or that veganism is the way to go. No, I think. It's just basically a lifestyle choice. And I think because we've not taken it too seriously and we weren't preachy, our focus was just literally being inclusive. And I remember very well, I think the first ever headline that we got on on a media coverage, quite a massive one in Malaysia, was a couple making the V word cool you know? So I think that was really a huge turning point for us. And also we moved away from focusing on the word vegan to plant-based because vegan seems to be a little bit like like what I mentioned, very exclusive, whereas plant-based is like a lifestyle. You can trade in two meals a week to help the planet. You don't have to be entirely plant-based. You can maybe choose a plant-based meal this week over eating meat and then you're getting to saving the planet. So that's our angle. And I think that's how we've been able to create a story. And that's how we've been able to, I guess, maybe, you know, attract that love from our customers who are not just vegan, this general public. Yeah.
0: And one other question as well, because the ice cream market is is a pretty large market already and many, many players, big players, small players, most of them are not plan based but there will be new plan based entrants obviously that's just that's just going to happen what is your competitive advantage what do you feel like that's that's our magic that's what's going to keep us ahead or afloat in the market
2: I think a couple of things. I think one is that we're innovative in terms of the flavors that we can have and we're quite adaptive as well. We can have seasonal flavors where we have that flexibility to have a wider range of flavors. We can keep up with market trends and keep the flavors relevant. That would be the first one. Secondly, we do have first movers advantage. We are the first fully plant-based ice cream brand in Southeast Asia, I would safely say Singapore, Malaysia, even in Thailand. So I think we have that advantage. And thirdly, the idea of building communities around a brand is essential for it. So we do activities that do involve the community. During COVID, we did a virtual Kind Run that got our customers together, got people who have never heard of Kind Cones before and brought them together to do this virtual run and have a sense of community. I think One of the more recent events we did is we actually hosted a speed dating event over ice cream. And (laughs) so I think we do keep the brand relevant across different customer profiles as well. And I think that's what's key to being relevant in the market moving forward, even when competition does come.
0: I really can see that, right? There's a love brand that we touched upon earlier. It's absolutely a big advantage that you currently have. So you're currently raising funds and you're raising a million dollars and the majority of that is already closed. How will these funds be used?
2: A main part of that is going to go towards doing a supermarket launch, spending a bit more on marketing. I don't know if you know, like last year we spent $15,000 on marketing. Our marketing spend is close to zero. So we want to do that and maybe have a bigger and better, stronger marketing strategy for a supermarket launch where that's a part of the focus. And obviously we're doing that over two countries. So Singapore and Malaysia concurrently. Secondly is spending part of that money toward automation within our facility in making sure that we are able to run more efficiently and have the product churned out a lot quicker so that we are ready for the increase in demand that we will be getting from supermarkets. That's the main use of the funds in the near term.
0: Yeah. And so 95% is already closed. You have some reputable investors on board. I mean, you also invest in yourself, which is always a very good sign as an external investor to see that the founders actually put their money where their mouth is. But you also have DSG consumer partners, the consumer goods venture capital company in Asia. They're leading this round. How do you see their investments adding to KindCone's growth? And what are some potential exit opportunities as well that you see for these investors?
2: DSG have been great partners and they really share our vision in terms of what we expect Kind Cones to be and what we want Kind Cones to be. And I think collectively them coming on board has helped us execute or get closer to that goal of being a leading plant-based ice cream brand in Southeast Asia. And I do keep repeating Southeast Asia, but I do believe, and I think between us, we believe that we do have the product to be a global brand. We don't see why we should stop short with just Southeast Asia. In terms of exit, I think we do have a clear exit strategy that we will. We, I, I mean, when that happens, it does. But I think the idea is that we will at some stage exit it to a bigger party that would be able to take the brand global a lot quicker.
0: Yeah, Basically acquisition by an FMCG company, for example.
2: Yes, exactly. And I think we are, if you see the journey, and if you followed it, we have moved from being a very outlet retail driven brand, and now a CPG brand, which actually makes it easier and a better multiple for an exit.
0: As my last question, why is this the best investment any investor can make? Why should we invest in KindCons?
2: I mean, I think (laughs) it is about seeing the vision. And I think it is about understanding what you're investing in. The idea is that This is a brand that is here to stay. Yeah. It's, you know, you're investing in a space that is relevant.
1: Yeah. Um, It's the future. You know, I think kindness is the future. So I think for the next generation as well, this is the way to go. So yeah, I think this is why.
2: (laughs) No, and also, you know, you're investing in our brand. We're not selling jargon about food tech and IP. And, you know, this product is replicating dairy it's none of that. It's actually yeah. just a great product that has come out of ingredients that we all understand and know. And we've managed to put them together and create a fantastic tasting product backed by a great brand. Love that.
0: Ishwal and Serena, thank you for joining us today and sharing the inspiring story behind Kind Counts your dedication to create this indulgent healthy and planet friendly ice cream i love it i wish you continued success as you bring kindness right to our plates and to our planet so for our listeners stay tuned and we will continue our podcast with some of our investors to hear more about why we are interested to invest in kindness now let's hear from the investors what they have to say about this startup and please remember we're not a financial advisor all opinions expressed by Epic Angels are intended as educational and reflect the personal research and experiences of the team. Since Hester is on a holiday today, we're not having one Epic Angel with us. We actually have two Epic Angels. We have Anisha and I's joining us today. So just is a strategic marketing leader and digital practitioner experienced in building and growing brands. She's currently Associate Director at Essler Luxottica, a global leader in eyewear. And previously, Ice was Global Brand Manager at brands like Unilever, Philips, and Danone, and even a brand manager for Ben & Jerry's in Singapore. And Anisha is a sales and marketing executive. She's currently SMB Partner Marketing Lead, JPAC for Google, and previously worked for companies like LinkedIn and SAP. So Anisha and Ice, I'm super excited about hearing your perspective on kind cones and why you are excited to join this investment.
3: Okay. First of all, super excited to be part of this podcast today. So as Mikey said, I've been in marketing for over 10 plus years now, and I love building brands. That's where my passion is. I first came across Time Cones when my husband was into keto, and he was looking for healthy options ice cream. He wanted a snack that he can have while he was in his keto diet. and we accidentally bumped into this, and we had a scoop of their keto chocolate sobe and loved it. And I'm not so much of an ice cream person. It felt like it's a healthy snack, and that's how I first looked at Kain And now, looking at as an investor, I keep looking at their flavors and everything, and I really, really love how they're building. It's innovative, it's trendy, and I think it's really genuine ingredients, and that's what I love about it. I think... The founders have a great vision for how they're going to build a brand. They have their ears on the ground, which means they exactly understand the pulse of the market and what the consumer needs are. As a marketer, when I review the business model and the brand, I think what really works for me is for a brand to be successful, you need to be relevant not just for today, but also for the future. And how that happens is when you leverage the macro trends and as well as micro trends what i mean by macro trends are plant based sustainability that's something that kind cones has beautifully tapped into i think the ice cream industry it's high time it needs a disruption and that's what i think kind cones is doing but micro trends are also important to stay relevant to your consumers when i look at kind cones it speaks to me at several levels whether it's in terms of their flavors the choice of ingredients the naming convention and everything that when i look at kind cones as an ice cream it
4: instantly caught my eye so thanks so much, Mike, for having me here. Really excited about the podcast and the investment at Kind Cones. So you've spoken everything there is to speak about me professionally. But one aspect I'd like to call out is that within the marketing space, I do have a lot of experience in B2B, B2C, market consumer research, working on the agency side, planning and so on and so forth. Right. So the fact that Kind cones is looking at this investment to build their marketing was an interesting space where I was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. And, you know, maybe there is some value addition I can add there. In terms of why this investment, there are multiple reasons where I think kind cones just really hit the spot. The founding team is amazing. When we had the initial conversation with them, it instantly clicked. They have a strong chemistry with each other. They have a very strong background um coming from entrepreneurial families have built this business from scratch and the very fact that they're putting in their own investments gave me a lot of confidence it's really
0: interesting how they indeed put quite a significant portion of their own funds into this as well we don't see that every day and that really says a lot about their personal belief and commitment true
4: and I think what attracted me to Kind cones were multiple other factors right a as ash mentioned the market is very interesting and i would break the market into two aspects one is the ice cream market because they're not going ahead and selling themselves as a vegan ice cream brand first they're reaching out to all consumers who are interested in ice cream where they're capitalizing or rather building on is plant-based, where they're talking about a brand value and a proposition which they have, right? Which you normally don't see with ice creams. Ice cream brands are pretty much a commodity. And here they've built a community around kindness, around being kind to yourself, to the environment, which I thought was a very interesting spin in how they're reaching out to their audience so their business value the mission really appealed to me and then of course their plans in terms of growth they're showing a massive growth from the revenue which they have to what they're forecasting they have expansion plans they're looking at different geographies getting into retail outlet of like fair price and so on and so forth so there is a story behind there is confidence with the team with the industry with the go-to-market strategy and even just what the future of the organization looks like.
0: It's really that that love brand as well. It's so fascinating. I'm also a professor at SMU and my students have actually done some work for Kind Cones. And when I told them we're gonna work with Kind Cones, everyone's like, whoa, Kind Cones. You can see the passion immediately, which is amazing, right? You can't really predict whether or not that's gonna happen, but are you able to break it down? What are the reasons
4: that are really is a love brand,
0: that it is working this community.
4: So I think for me, what really stands out is the fact that they stand for something, which is kindness. Kindness resonates with everybody. And it's not just a commoditized product which they're selling. And also like as a brand, they're very, very flexible, right? They're always experimenting with flavors. They're always doing tests, whatever's working with the, the audience. So they're trying to make sure that they have the pulse of the consumer. So it's not like Ben & Jerry's or a dazs where you know the, the flavors you will get for the rest of your life. And maybe once every five years, they'll come up with something new.
3: Yeah. What's up for you, I? For me, it's kind of similar. But I think what I would add on to is it is super important to have a purpose behind a brand. I think the way they have put it as kindness covers everything, whether it's in terms of planet, to yourself and to others. That's central theme. They have tied it together beautifully. And the second thing is It is important to have it in all touch points so whether i look at their packaging whether the the story behind it like when serena was sharing her story about how she even started brand it just felt so right because it came from a genuine need for herself
4: i just wanted to add one more point something which i feel they've done a very good job of and cleverly is that they've not restricted their target audience only to a vegan target audience or just an ice cream target audience. What they've done is they're open to everybody and they've positioned themselves in a manner where somebody who is lactose intolerant will obviously go to them and they can aim to be a leader in that space. But it is not as if people who are focused on ice creams or just want a dessert will not explore them. So that positioning, I think, is really clever and very smart of them
3: so i think this probably answers the first question you asked is why kind cones there are brands when you know there are always great stories great innovation products they come up with but it becomes sometimes very niche like if kind cones has started with what anisha was saying as vegan friendly or for people with lactose intolerance but they were able to see the scalability of the brand and see that okay this is meant for everyone and they found a positioning that works for much larger than a niche group of audience. It's that
0: inclusivity, which is so important. And that, that really is critical. And they're now on this crossroad from going to outlet driven into the supermarkets. And that's a different game. What do you think is critical for their success this year?
4: So I think a couple of things which they've already started and checkboxed against is when I look at it from a business point of view, they are at all touch points where the consumer possibly could be so they are online they are on various food delivery apps they're already there on stores they've now ventured into supermarkets they have tie-ups with various businesses what they in my opinion they need to do more of is predominantly categorized on the three pillars so one would be to build their brand kind cones i think at this stage is more of a word of mouth brand where somebody's tried it somebody's introduced it to them or they've seen a discount and they're just crossing the store. So it's building that community of kind, cones lovers and building that brand would be really important so that they reach out to the broader audience. The second part of it would be not just being there physically at retail outlets and supermarkets, but foster a community around consumption occasions. So wherever people are consuming desserts or where there are food occasions, they need to, really make sure that they're in top of mind from a consumption point of view, because that's when the pull would happen for their brand. And because they're working across different markets, I think that cultural nuanced approach would be very important. So, for example, if they're in Malaysia, could they be doing something around Ramadan and be there when people are breaking their Ramadan fasts and have a big activation around that? or like in Singapore around Chinese New Year. Being there when people are coming together, what are the kind of packages and offers you have when somebody's hosting or just getting together as a community or friends or family? Having an activation strategy around that, to me, would be very important. And the last piece would be on the partnerships which they have. So they've already got a partnership, for example, with Fairprice. What are the additional partnerships which they could strengthen to expand their reach. They're like, for example, they're looking at Singapore Airlines, Scoot. What are the other options they have from a B2B perspective, from a retail perspective, from a digital perspective, would kind of solidify their coverage in my opinion.
2: Yeah. For
3: you, Ash? If I have to summarize, what happens is when you start distributing to supermarkets, it's a completely different ballgame from when you own a scoop shop and you have a lot more control on how you do things. So boils down to what I would say discipline in terms of how they're consistently winning. So for me, what I would be watchful of is when they start expanding into supermarkets and even when they're expanding to other markets as well, how consistently do you do that? And second is not losing sight of the brand building part, which is what I think probably Anisha was touching on when in terms of consumption pattern, packaging, marketing, investment and all that. I think that is super important because business should not take over the basic brand building aspects, either in terms of your innovation pipeline or your storytelling, your advertising, that needs to consistently happen. And third for for me, how are they going to manage their financials in this whole process? How are they consistently able to keep the growth uh, while they take on these new expansion plans? And I am super confident that they have a strong team. What I like is that both founders are brand builders first, and they have a very strong business acumen coming from their family backgrounds. Last question, what's your favorite flavor? Chocolate sorbet for you, Aish? For me, chocolate sorbet.
0: The almond brittle. Oh, that's a good one. I love the black forest. Yeah, It's so hard because they all look so nice. You never know what to choose. (laughs) Thank you so much, Anisha and Aish. We're going to do more homework, test all the flavors in the next coming months.
4: I recently introduced my nieces to kind cones and they were quite ecstatic. My niece loved the passion fruit sorbet. (laughs) I want to try the avocado.
0: Enough to do. Thank you so much for sharing your insights.
4: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much.
0: We hope you enjoyed looking behind the scenes. The objective of this podcast is to demystify angel investing and to share insights so you can learn more about the world of venture capital. Interested to see if you can become an angel investor yourself? Contact us via info at epicangelnetwork.com or go to our website at epicangelnetwork.com.